We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It was hard to set boundaries, but I will say, like, Mm. I've lost a lot of people in my life from setting boundaries. Um, And I'm so fucking glad they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome to Rain. This podcast is all about empowerment and open conversations with incredible guests. So let's get straight into it. Today, we are joined by the multi-hyphenate queen, Renee Rapp, and she truly does it all. Renee has played Regina George in the Mean Girls musical on Broadway, a role she is revisiting for the movie adaptation. She starred in the TV hit The Sex Lives of College Girls, which you can watch on ITVX in the UK, and wow, this girl can write a song and she can sing. Renee has just announced the title of her upcoming debut album, Snow Angel. The single of the same name is out right now, and it's the perfect time for this episode. We actually caught up on Renee's first trip to London earlier this year for her incredible sold out gig where she told me about her mental health coming out and responding to biphobia. If you are struggling with your identity or if you feel like you're being judged for who you are, I hope this episode inspires you to be you unapologetically and to quieten the haters just like Renee does. Well, hello babes, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Mercury and her retrograde has got me so by the balls right now. I need her to just get in the bin, finish what she's been up to, and I need to move on my life. Like, honestly, it's been disaster after disaster, but we're here and we're thriving, and I'm getting to talk to you, and you're in London. I am. I am. I'm in London for literally the first time ever. Also, it's sunny, which feels like wrong. I feel like I'm getting, like, the best version of London that anyone has ever had, so... (laughs) You're like, this is shocking news to me that it's actually sunny in London and the sun can actually shine here. No, yeah. Well, because everybody was like, it's going to be like rainy and dark all the time. And like, I'm very easily affected by the weather, meaning just like I'm just sensitive as fuck. So, um, yeah, but I like woke up and it was sunny and I was like, I'm immediately in a better mood. Stunning. Well, babe, let's get into it. I mean, the EP, Everything to Everyone. Like, babes, you have got some serious bloody range, haven't you? Thanks, thanks. I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> well, it's so great. And the intro track, which is actually called Everything to Everyone, is something I think we all need on repeat 24-7. It does what it says on the tin. It's all about stopping needing to be everything to everyone all the time. I feel like I needed to hear this. How good have you been at building boundaries for yourself? Um, I think that I feel like the second I started to like actually set boundaries in my life, I lost a lot of people. Um, mm. So it was very interesting to see who stuck around when I started to set those boundaries. Um, it made and makes me uncomfortable because I, I love to people please. And I have like a really like, odd dichotomy of like I really care a lot yet I like don't 
Um, so I, I value my friends' emotions beyond belief. So it, it was hard to set boundaries, mm. but I will say, like, I've lost a lot of people in my life from setting boundaries. Um, and I'm so fucking glad they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the brutal honesty of that, but that's what boundaries are all about because if people aren't going to respect your boundaries, then they shouldn't be in your life, right? Exactly, exactly. Like, it was it was a whole lot of, like, I will um, shrink myself so you are comfortable. I'm not going to say, like what I actually want to say and I was like I'm too old for that shit also like I just don't mm. I'm not gonna do that like I want so much in life emotionally um you know physically like career-wise like I don't have I, I don't have the emotional space anymore to like kind of make myself suffer I, I don't like I've, I think I did that enough I've done this since like seventh grade mm. seventh grade was terrible by the way but yeah <laughs> good on it Seventh grade was not cute for me either. Like, literally just thinking about that right now. I'm like, oh my God, poor Josh with zero boundaries. was just desperate to make friends. I did anything possible to try and make friends and then really never let go of that feeling. Same. Oh, 100%. Seventh grade was treacherous for me. Also, everybody's moms got so fucking mean in seventh grade. Like, I don't know what it was, but I just remember all my friends' moms, like, really hated me in seventh grade. And I was like, what do y'all have against me? I was like, Carol, (laughs) like, what is this? It was weird. Carol, babes, can we just have a sit down and have a chat about it? (laughs) Carol, if we could have a chat, then you'd shut up. That's one thing I learned on Love Island. We just have a chat real quick. Do you feel like you've now let go of trying to be the perfect person, the perfect friend, the perfect partner? No. (laughs) No. Um, I definitely still feel um, like I want to be. I fight myself. A lot. It depends, though. It depends on the person. Like, if it's somebody who I care about how they view my character, I really, really, mm. really struggle to let it go. If it's someone who I feel like I I don't want in my life in that capacity, and I don't necessarily care their view of my character because I feel though that it is skewed, you're good. But if it's like my friends or like my 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 family or people mm. that I work with, I really still struggle. Um, but I know that I just should, you know? Mm. Like I'm like, ugh, like I'll be proud of myself if I do this. Cause I've overextended myself so much over the last two, three years, yeah. four years even. I like don't have the energy for that. I'll die young and I don't really want to right now, so <laughs> What do you think has been the biggest change you've made to your own mindset? I don't, like, apologize for, like, my ambition anymore. I used to feel so, Mm. like, bad about... I think it was because I had a lot of, like, really... To be honest, like, very, very, very insecure men around me. And women. It's not just specifically men. Um, But I, I, I really, like, always felt like I was trying... Like, I felt like I couldn't say my wins when I was around certain people. And I didn't realize until I got out of those situations um, that I was afraid to be like, I got this job or like, I did this today because it would make somebody else feel bad. Looking back, that's fucking crazy. Mm. <laughs> I cannot believe I did that. And I will never let my kids do that when I inevitably have kids. Um, also I really want babies right now, so I know, but it, I, I just like, I, <laughs> I, I just like, ah, it makes me so mad. 
thinking mm. about it. But I don't apologize for my ambition. I don't apologize for things that um, I have achieved. I'm actually very proud of them. And I'm excited about it, you know? Mm. And so you should be. But I think our society's got such a problem with this idea of what an ambitious woman is. And it's just like, oh my God, totally. what is there not to celebrate about a woman being in her full power, knowing her capabilities and getting out there and shining? Completely. And it's and it's also like, I've had a lot of that happen in like friendships too. Like it's not just been relationships. Like I've lost like, mm. I've lost friends in my life because, and who, who are women, um, because all of a sudden they feel some kind of way. And then they start saying something about me and I hear it and I'm like, bitch, where did you hear that? Like, I'm like, what? Uh, what? Like, I'm like, this actually is not computing mm. for me or for you. And it's honestly just sad. Um, but bonjour. <laughs> we. <laughs> I think the French yeah. word we're looking for is au revoir, but there's my GCSE French really coming to the fore there. <laughs> Okay, I was only there for a couple days. I was only there for a couple days. But, but, uh, au revoir. Merci. Merci, bitch. Au revoir. I think that's the best French ever. Uh, bonjour. Goodbye. Hello. Oh, maybe I just meant it in the way that, like, sometimes you know how you say, like, hello in a conversation? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was doing. It had to have been that. It came from it came from God. I don't know, like the power of like religion just like overtook me in that minute and I like couldn't think straight. <laughs> I owe it all to him. Um Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Babes, they should get us in schools up and down the country to teach kids the key words in French. That's what should happen right now. When I tell you I would be this has been my like story my whole life. Like I would be the worst person in charge, teacher, um, line leader, mother, inevitably. Um, like, I should not be in control of literally anyone. Because um, I'll be like, here's how you say goodbye in French. Bonjour. And they'd be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, babes, away from your stunning grasp of French, one of the things I really love about you is how vulnerable you are through your music. How long has it taken you to get to a place where you can actually be truly vulnerable? Oh my god. Um I, I it's weird because I think like I still actually don't feel like I am. <laughs> it's weird. Um and I don't know if that's like an internal judgment thing or if that's actually um like the truth. I feel like some songs I'm I'm really like, wow, how vulnerable. Good job, Renee. And other songs, people are like, holy shit, I feel you. And I'm like, it's so interesting. I was judging myself through the entire time of writing that song. <laughs> um, so it's weird. Mm. It's weird. Like, people are like, oh, I relate to the lyrics in Too Well so much. I'm like, funny, I hated that song for so long because I thought the lyrics were um, not relatable and actually tragic. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't view it that way and I can't tell if it's internalized like judgment and stuff or if that's actually mm. real or if it's just because I'm 23 and I hate everything <laughs> and it's part of the process I don't think we ever get to the point where we can be yeah. truly vulnerable with everyone there's only pe certain people I still feel like can be vulnerable with and I have a whole podcast that's about teaching yeah. people to be more vulnerable and being your power but it's hard 100%. it's hard to get to that point it's very hard 
is very mm. hard. I think that's also like different. Like some people I feel super vulnerable around and those aren't even like my best friends. Um, mm. But then some people like even some of my best friends, I'm like, bonjour. I'm like, I'm not, but I'm not vulnerable at all. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> What do you think music's helped you process the most? Everything. Um, I've done every form of therapy. I've had every weird lady from the valley come to my house and like do some witchy shit on me. And like I've had somebody come and make me lay on this little towel (laughs) that had like electromagnetic pulse things through it and made me drink some weird fucking water that to be clear was like Dasani. (laughs) She was like, this is charged with healing. And I was like, okay, I feel the same. Um, and so yeah, like music has helped with everything because none of that weird shit or like therapy has worked for me. And in music, I genuinely feel understood. Um, I feel like I'm communicating mm. to my fullest extent that day. Um, I feel like I am making my most insecure and, uh, vulnerable moments into something that I'm proud of even if it's like a sad ballad I'm like ah I actually literally when people stream this song not to be a Capricorn but um when people stream this song I make money off of the shit you did to me I do that's hot that's hot um yeah I love it that's a real win (laughs) it's like you maybe made me suffer but I'm literally getting the coin in the bank, and that's the real win there. I'm like, you literally, babe, like, you indirectly, directly bought me a car, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I live that honesty, and that's the kind of honesty that comes through the whole of the EP, because on Colorado specifically, that's a song about mental health, isn't it? And I feel like it's a very fresh take on mental health, because it's not very like, oh, I'm sad or I'm sick, it's very like you know, I'm addicted to this chip on my shoulder. What did you kind of want to say about your own mental health journey through that song? I think, well, A, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, B, I think like the cool thing about Colorado for me in the writing is like, and I, and I think the reason that it feels like that is because Colorado is uh, written, inspired by the first time Time I like realized I had anxiety without realizing mm. that that's what it was. I was skiing on a mountain when I was younger. I just like felt like free for the first time. And it, I, what that like freedom was, was like, oh, I felt like safe and I felt like excited and I felt happy mm. because I didn't feel like anyone was judging me. I wasn't worried about anyone looking at me. Um, I didn't feel insecure about myself because I had like a helmet on and like big pants and like a big jacket. No one knew who I was, not that they um, did when I was 12 and 13. I I wasn't the star of Colorado, but um, I just felt, like, good. 
And those were the feelings that I had. And so now every time that I get super stressed out, I'm like, oh, I wish I could feel like that first feeling of like freedom again mm. as an adult. Um, cause I, I like, I always want to say the thing that's under the thing, right? So like the overarching thing of Colorado is like, I'm really anxious. I'm really stressed out. I'm struggling with my mental health. I would like to, for all of this to shut the fuck up. And instead of saying that, I'm just going to like romanticize about like what my life could be like if mm. I lived there and I like married somebody and like had babies. Again, I'm super on this baby thing right now. If anybody wants to have kids, let's do it. Not really. Um, okay. So yeah, I just like, I don't know, man. Like I just really like loved the idea of like, I'm going to romanticize. <laughs> everything I want because um, I'm done talking about like how sad I am I feel like I've had mm. enough of that that's quite freeing when you get to that point because I think also one of the conversations I always have about mental health is that it's always talked about in such a really serious manner and obviously it is a very serious topic but like in everything in life in whatever dark times it is there's a lot of laughter along the way too where you have to look at yourself and be like whoa lol <laughs> Hundred percent. No, it's. I mean, it's also like for me. Like some people, some people really like to cope with like feeling the feelings. That doesn't work for me personally. What works for me is mm. a kind of, a like sort of like ha 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 um manner of it, which I much prefer at times. I mean, everyone's got their own process, and once you find that process and your way of venting it, that's the way to go, isn't it? And just find that oh, yeah. niche, find the way you can deal with your own issues. Of course. That is what it's all about. I feel like for you, you're really carving your own path in the music industry. You've got so much going on at the same time, but this is an industry that still has so much further to go in terms of turning up for women and representing women behind the scenes, front of scenes. What still frustrates you about where we are at with the representation of women in music and how they're viewed in music? I think what frustrates me um, amongst everything else is the, like, very, like, candy-coated answer that I think, like, every corporation um, loves to give, which is, like, happy feminism, happy pride. We have a woman who works here. We have a gay girl who works over here. And here is the other minority that we would like to call out over here so that we look good because the same five dudes or women who are just aggravating (laughs) um, are working actually. Um, So I get annoyed by the cover-up. And I think that's everywhere, but specifically like in my industries, like music and Hollywood loves that shit. Oh my God, Hollywood loves that shit. TV loves that shit. Fucking movies love that shit. They love to be like, oh my God, like, look at all of these things we're doing. We're obsessed. We're uh, like, yes, change, all of this. And I'm like, you suck. You suck. Because that is not actually what's happening. That's just what you preach so that you feel better about yourself. But actually, you still do the same shit. And sometimes it's women, too. So I have a problem with Mm. the little petty cover up. Um, because I don't like it and I don't buy into it. Um, and then people get mad at me when I say something about it. And so then I make enemies and then I'm difficult to work with. Okay, fine. I'll be that. I don't mind. I don't mind at all. 
I think that's such a negative thing that we get to in our society as well, in general, not even just inside mm-hmm. your industry, but like, if a woman speaks up, there suddenly seems difficult, and then in turn they get called a diva, and you're like, does that worry you, that kind of labelling? It does to an extent, but I also have like a lot of agency in spaces just by like, um, you know, like being a white woman, being a cis woman, you know, if I'm going to get called a diva, odds are I'm still going to work. Mm. I'm still going to work. I've been called a diva. I probably will continue to be um, called a diva uh, because it, because like somebody will be, you know, being horribly treated. And I'm like, could we not? And everybody's like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, ah, hmm, okay. Um, but I have an agency in spaces where I will continue to work, right? Um, others do not. Mm. So I don't necessarily care um, because I have that, that grace to not care um and also it's just like it it's just that just like kind of is what it is um because also if like i don't do it then it makes it harder for everybody else um and if people around me don't do it then it makes it harder for everybody else and i've definitely seen that um i hate an ass kisser (laughs) i hate it um yeah well i just think the vendetta should be like get out there, use your voice and don't be afraid to, sh- to use that voice because if you're not turning up for yourself, you're also then not going to turn up for other people. And like, that's the power of using your voice, isn't it? Well, it's also like, it's not this like, and again, like I feel like I'm even like on some sort of soapbox even saying this, but being that we're having this conversation, like it's not this like new idea or this new thing mm. that like people like myself or like, white women specifically have like created this like let's do this thing it's like no 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 that was already a concept that was already there that was created by people who are not us so like if we could just like follow up in that little space um that would be great um but it's also not this like thing to take on you just you see it in all of its facets specifically in hollywood specifically in music um and it is (laughs) mind-blowing And speaking of Hollywood and turning away from music for a hot second, we love you. Well, the we, as in like the royal we, I love you is Leighton in the Sex Lives of College Girls, which FYI, (laughs) for people listening in the UK, is out on ITVX right now. So run straight after you've listened to this to go watch. And she is an incredible character, not only because she is layered, but as a gay man, we love to see that queer representation. And I love her coming out scene where she says, I don't want my whole life to change because, oh my God, when I saw that, that hit me so in the stomach because I was like, that is exactly how I felt. How powerful was it to bring that moment to the screen? Amazing. That's like my favorite day on set. Um, I felt like that was like the one day I was like, I'm not acting at all I feel like I'm just like word vomiting stuff out um because a lot of the conversations that we had season one specifically were you know in writing um one of our writers was like okay so like what is your coming out story how is this um and my biggest thing that I had said um was I was like my like queer representation was my cousin um who was a bit older than me maybe like seven eight years and um she was so like othered in the family. And so, um, just like talked about differently than everyone else. And I was like, fuck, I was like, I don't want that. 
Um, and so it was really interesting mm. saying that and then also saying that publicly um, because I think it was sort of like a kind of awakening to a lot of people around me. And again, I lost people in my life from that and I'm so grateful um, because I take that as a great experience to have lost. <laughs> um, but yeah, mm. it's like, I don't know. It was it was crazy. It was like the greatest day on set and it was also the most emotional. Like I just sobbed through the whole scene. Like you can't read it without crying. I remember being so embarrassed cuz we um we did the table read on Zoom with like all of our like Warner Brothers executives and stuff and I was like, "Oh my god, Renee, don't cry when you read this. Don't cry when you read it." Cuz I was like, "Oh, it's a table read. Like shut up. Don't be stupid." You know? And um sobbed. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck." Um but yeah, just cried the whole time. For you, what's been your journey? to getting to the point of feeling comfortable in your sexuality? I feel like it's, like, always evolving for me. Um, I mean, the show definitely made it a lot easier, publicly and personally. Like, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm very blessed to play a queer character that is written to be accepted. Um, that's not always the case, mm. uh, clearly. And, like, it's interesting, like... Um, I was really nervous. I grew up in, in North Carolina. And so I was I was really nervous when the show was going to come out. I was like, oh, I was like, people are going to be so homophobic and so mean. And like, oh, they're going to hate me. And and I was like, the gays are going to hate me because I'm not going to do a good enough job. Like, I wanted to impress the gays so bad. I was like, I was like, I have to, imp- I have to impress the gays. I was like, I got to do it. I got to do it for us. I was so nervous. I would cry all the time. I'd be like, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. I was so scared. And then I was like, well, straight people are going to hate me. I was just, like, such a mess. Um, and I was so worried because, like, I heard a lot of that growing up both ways. Mm. And it was, like, great, actually. I was pretty cool about it. And if uh, anybody wasn't, it was more just criticizing, like, my outfits on the show, which I actually agree with. So <laughs> I'm down. I mean, that's such an interesting point you made, though, about acceptance, self-acceptance, because... I think even if you accept yourself, we can still be in a place in our society where not everyone is always going to accept us. And I think specifically with being bisexual, there is so much biphobia still in the LGBTQIA plus community and outside of it to throw away comments like pick a team or or they refuse to believe it's even a sexuality. Have you experienced that yourself? It's so wild. I actually, I feel genuinely, whenever anybody asks me about this, I'm always very afraid, not afraid, but I'm always very like timid to talk about it because mm. um, I, I feel like I upset someone every time I talk about it and I hate upsetting people and I hate hurting people's feelings um, because I understand that there's a specific conversation surrounding bisexuality that like it you know if i as a bisexual woman identifying right like if i am in a relationship with a man right or if i am in a heteronormative presenting Mm. relationship right i am afforded a different set of privileges publicly and societally and even in my brain in terms of like misogyny and shit like that that other queer people are not Right. Because I present as I am Mm. in a straight relationship. I present as straight. That isn't inherently a hetero relationship, though I am queer. 
So that has its whole own set of, not pluses, but like of pluses. It, it really does because it presents very differently. I completely understand that discourse. I agree with that 100%. The difference is like the invalidating somebody, that like sucks. Mm. Um, it's just like not great. Like, and it happens to me all the time. Um, it happened to me a lot more season one, but like it still does. And then like I made a joke about it on the internet because people were being like biphobic to me. And I was like, well, you're so right. Bisexual people aren't real. And then everyone was like, you're so biphobic. And I was like, bitch, I am bisexual. I was like, shut up. So I have my own sort of set (laughs) of grievances. Um, So I really like, Mm. I totally honor the conversation. I hate biphobia. I think it fucking sucks. I think there's a lot of interesting conversations around it. I just think like a lot of times bisexual people are really, really quiet. Especially because also like bisexual men are viewed so different um, than bisexual women. Like when Mm. I came out to my friends um, as a kid, I will never forget this one guy was like, oh my God, (laughs) every girl just wants to be bisexual because they think it's like a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a fake gay. I was like, oh no, I'm not real. You know, and my mom even, and we're best friends and we've grown so much. But as a kid, she said to me, she was like, you should pick a side. And I was like, ah, fuck. Um, it's so loaded and it's so scary. People mm. are also so mean about it. People are so mean about it. I'm like, woo, y'all scare me. I think people just feel like they always know more about someone than they know about themselves. And it's just like, if I'm coming to you in a situation, I'm telling you, this is me listen to me, listen to what I'm saying, rather than just projecting your narrative, your thoughts onto me, right? Like, that's what we need to get to. Totally. No, I, I I agree. So I feel, you know, I feel like I honor the conversation around, like, there's, it, it's, it's a line to tell. Away from the show and away from the stunning EP, next up, you are skipping off to go film... The Mean Girls, the musical, the movie. I cannot wait for this. Babes, you're going to have to give me a tease. What can I expect? Oh my God, you can... Ooh. Is it going to be high camp? I need camp. I th- I think. So from what I've seen, from the deck that I've seen, I believe, yes. I believe there will be campy elements. Um, you can expect... Oh, you can expect new music. <gasps> you can expect new music in it. Oh my God, Wallace! Screaming internally and externally at the same time. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. I cannot wait. Well, to end the podcast, I just want to ask you one last question. And that is, in the reign yeah. of your life, what is the one rule you'll always live by? Cheers to those who wish us well and those who don't can go to hell. Signed, sealed, delivered. Stunning way to finish. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Bonjour to those. <laughs> Bonjour. Bon fucking jour. <laughs> Babe, living, we have covered so much today. French, sexuality, music, mean girls, camp. Wow. <laughs> what a time to be alive. We ate. We really ate. Thanks for being here for this episode of Rain. If there are things that resonate with you, I'd love to hear from you. Get me on socials at Josh Smith Host. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, subscribe, or follow, and share this with someone you think should hear it. Let's get those convos going because that is what this podcast is all about. Hi, babes. Me again. Just wanted to tell you about something very exciting. I can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but I've written a book and it's called Great Chat. As you know, I love to chat, plot spoiler, and I love talking to people about their lives because, as I always say, talking and listening is so powerful. The book is all about how you can master conversation and transform your life, just like it has for me. I've used my experience from all the amazing interviews I've been lucky enough to do, as well as a load of research to help you deal with everything from making new friends to embracing difficult discussions. Great chat should never be underestimated. It can truly improve your well-being, allow you to create the life you want, and bring the connections you are so deserving of, babes. You can pre-order Great Chat today in hardback, ebook, and audiobook, read by me, no less, and it's out on the 20th of June.